Hold me. See, I was doing the thing you did, but you said hold on. I'm in. Hold me now. You know, like that Alaska song? Whoa. Break my heart. Is that how it goes? That's not the Alaska Elastica song, but that is how that goes. So I must have been singing a different song. Is that that song? Stay with yeah, there me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there it I don't know if my lyrics were right. I just made it up. It was like, I know the tempo of what I thought you were doing. Sure, sure, sure. And that's okay. Not everybody likes Elastica. What's Elastica? The British punky-esque group from the 90s. Like the Cranberries? Fuck you. It's funny that you say that. Because I was about to say the first place I ever heard Elastica was in the um, trailer for Hackers. Oh. But Hackers had another trailer that played a Cranberry song that I hated. Right. I think. I don't think it was the Cardigans. I think it was the Cranberries. Anyway. So I love Alaska. Don't like Cranberries. But you know that about me. I do know that you don't like the Cranberries. Um, what if I got you a cranberry colored cardigan? Um, would it have a lot of Elastica bands? No, because it'd be a cardigan. Well, the, there's <laughs> the sleeves, right? Wait. That was a good no and. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to learn. You're teaching me wrong. <laughs> Learning examples, remember? What's a cranberry song? Oh, no, sorry. What's a cardigan song? Uh, Kiss Me. So what if is I had that, is, 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 right, 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 right. Thinking of, right? I think so, yeah. What if I had, okay, it's a it's a cranberry colored cardigan with the head of a zombie that says kiss me. I'm so close to smacking you in the face with my notepad. <laughs> so I smacked it right across. But there's equipment in the way and I don't want to hurt it. I mean, it would be the kind of it would be so thoughtful if you think about it. It would be full of thought. Yes. Yeah, it yes. would. It sure would. And mirth. Like Christmas and meat pies that zombies like to eat. I'll give you that. <laughs> That's probably how zombies think of people. Brain pies. Brain pies. Mm. Um, you got a lot of notes there. Well, it's four pages. It's four chapters. It's four pages. Oh, I'm sorry. I've only got like a page and a quarter of notes. Well, I mean, okay. I we'll, did number we'll them, just... though, again. Okay. And we'll I just... put little goblets around the numbers <laughs> so I didn't get mixed up with my last numbered. Oh, speaking of which, I, I don't have my Cedric yet. <laughs> so this weekend should be the weekend when I get it. I don't know when I'll be able to have an actual, like... My artwork's going up. Yes, we'll just have to replace it <laughs> eventually. That's fine. Good. 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 Great. Good. Dandy. Would you like to start the no, podcast? No, I would not like to start the podcast. I am not the podcast starter. You don't have you don't have time? You don't have, like, a time constraint because we can just sit here and BS? Oh, yeah, no. Oh, okay. oh okay, yeah, good. no, no. School started. Sweet. Yeah, well, we're good till like, 3.30. That's going to have to change next week. <laughs> Unfortunately, I know. Um, excited? Uh, I'm. I'm. You nervous? Yeah, it's that thing where every time you start a new job, where you get in there and then it, you're like, I, I always have this like anticipation and this excitement, and then I get in, it's a lot of like, we have to have IT come in, set you up, <laughs> and it's like, oh, so I have all of this energy, and I can't do anything with it because it's constantly, the first week's just going to be acclimating, and. That's nonsense. Um, See, I, I, you don't look at it like it's Christmas. You just get your new present. You open it up, and you have to follow the instructions. It's like that part. No, because because I'm I don't like change that much. So like um, so adjusting to a new schedule is already stressful enough. I, mm -hmm. I I would like to 
bury that stress with work. Mm -hmm. And if I can't, it makes it that much harder because now I'm just sitting around. And while I'm in my current job, I know how to sit around and I know what to do when I have nothing to do. I have to relearn the environment of the new position to know what's okay to do when you have downtime. And I don't want to be sitting around reading Harry Potter. No. Like, well, on the do. first weekend. The, the, I don't want them I mean, to see me doing it. Caught, sure. Right. That's... So Just there's like, hey, Chip, I'm going to follow you around today. See what's what. Right. Yeah. That's an option. What? I don't have a chip. Oh. On your shoulder? I don't have any chips. You have shoulders. I do have shoulders. Okay. Then... But so do roads. And I don't know if there's anything... Well, we're going, we don't need roads. Roads. Nomads. Roads. This is so familiar. It's from Tommy Boy. Oh, it's not that familiar. No. I only remember the ketchup when scene they, from when Tommy they have Boy. The, when they have the nose leaking into their car and then they start saying, roads is a funny word. Roads. It's a great reference, I know. Yeah, not it's really. not a really good reference. That's what Brian Dennehy, right? Brian Dennehy. I like Brian Dennehy. Outlives Chris Farley. By a long time. Remember when Brian Dennehy was in that movie with Brian Brown? FX? Brian Brown played an FX whiz makeup artist oh, no. in Hollywood and like had helped the police out with a murder and they did all sorts of fake shit. No. There was FX2. That was cool. Oh, the movie's actually called FX? Yeah, FX. Okay, it's not like it was an FX show? No. Okay. Although there was an FX show based on the movie FX that might have aired on FX. I don't know about that last part. Wow. There's a lot of layers there. Bottom line, Brian Dennehy's awesome. If I were a mutant, I always thought it'd be cool to be my my mutant name would be FX, and I could my mutant power would be I'd be able to make myself explode. But there's more like, blood and guts. There's more effects than that. Well, sure, but you have other powers too. But that'd be the big one. What? It, okay. Because you know when you're like really frustrated, and you're just like, God, you just want to explode. If you could actually go that one step further and do that, and then just kind of reform, that'd be cool. Isn't that kind of like what Ben Stiller's character in Mystery Men does, except he doesn't explode, he just gets angry? Right, I want to go one step further. Mr. Furious? Mr. Furious. We lifted a city bus once, man. Just kind of pushed it. Still, like, well, the driver had his... Foot on the accelerator. Accelerator. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is what happens. Um... So are you, can I start? Yeah, please. Okay, cool. Please. Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is season four, episode one of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. But. Yes. Our 20th episode overall. Really? Season four, episode 20. See what's happening here? Robald and Doug Marr go to Hogwarts Castle. Ooh. <laughs> wow. So you that's you not... wrote that down, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> you thought that was such a good joke. No, I didn't think it was good. But you wrote never, it down. I did. You committed it to I, paper. I committed to it. Never thought it was good. <laughs> You're not wrong. There isn't. They're not necessarily correlated. <laughs> However, so, so you're saying that's not likely an episode title? No, I I don't think so because most most of all we don't get to we don't get to Hogwarts. We don't get to a castle in these in these episodes. In these well, by the end of this journey, maybe we will. But in this chapter, we don't. These chapters, we don't. No, but 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 oh, I see what you're saying. So this. So you're saying this, we need to change the name of the podcast? No, I oh. don't at all. <laughs> uh, 
Um, this cool. is it's, the podcast where we read Harry Potter. It, yeah, this is the podcast where we read Harry Potter. The, the series, um, we, we like I said, we are on uh, book four. We just finished book three. This is actually the first time I think we will be transitioning from book to book in a week. Like, oh, this yeah. is the first time we're, we're, we'll put out a new episode this week and it'll be like on time. Mm-hmm. That's... <laughs> he says, glaring at me. No, 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 no. I mean, like, no. It's usually my fault because I'm the one that caused the breaks between the last two seasons. Um, but it's it's actually it's I think it's kind of interesting. Also, you know, twenty episodes is kind of one of like it's like a a mile mark. It's a benchmark, sure. Yeah, it's a mile milestone. Yeah, it's like a benchmark. Portkey? No, Benchstein. <laughs> Benchstein. It's a Benchstein. 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 That's got to be German. <laughs> That's got to be a real German word. Knowing how Germans put together, yes, I'd yeah. say it was. Um, but anyway, so I like this is the the idea of this podcast. If you're tuning in for the first time, is I haven't read the Harry Potter series. I have seen the films, and I wanted to read the books. So this is Rob helping me read through the books for mm. the first time and seeing what my take on it is, following my journey and my perspective on it. While Rob tries to gently and silently guide me through the book so that I don't miss things that I would probably miss because I'm too stupid to figure it out on my own. But he's it's here. True. He's read it 114 times and he's got all of them. All of them memorized and there's all the little tidbits and all the little like, oh, you see here? The last pair of people left the hall. Yeah, that's right. Stuff and like that. I feel that. like there's a lot in this book that I'll be doing that. I, I was going to actually wondered. bring that up. I bet you will. Um, but maybe, I'll see if you picked up things first. But maybe not in these chapters? Oh, really? you didn't pick up things. I picked up things. Maybe I really did things. pick up things. I'm sure you did. There's at least one I know I picked up when I was like, foreshadowing. <laughs> I had that thought. My tongue got fat because it got... Oh, engorgio. Yes, I ate the caramel. What do you look... Uh, purple you tongue. Don't even, you don't even know what it's called. I got yet. numb tongue. Because <laughs> of Star Trek. Right. Yeah. Nantong? I got Nantong? Star Trek the movie. Star Trek the Star Trek. Star Trek the Star Trek. That's Not Star Trek the motion picture. No, Star Trek the Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek the lens flare. Um, okay, do, um, do we have any housekeeping? Oh, I, I want to say this ahead of time. We did double dipped for you guys this week. We did the uh, the commentary for... Uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban film yesterday. That's right. So we are like we're really... swimming. We are up yeah. to our teeth. In yeah, Harry I, Potter. and I I read the chapters yesterday and today mm -hmm. after seeing the movie to make sure I didn't cloud the commentary. So if you'd like to see that commentary, it'll be up eventually, um, <laughs> eventually. on on Patreon. But soon we should be putting up the uh, episode or um, commentary two. Commentary two, movie two, uh, Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. so long ago now. It really was, but I feel like we've had. The Sorcerer's Stone up for a while. Oh, I just mean our distance from the story. I don't even mean how long ago we did oh, that. I right. just mean, I, it feels like, oh, Chamber of Secrets. I remember when we were young and carefree. <laughs> yeah, sure. That that describes that book. <laughs> but um, that that will be coming up pretty soon mm -hmm. if it's not already out. And, it, and so check that out. But, you know, keep in mind, we, we have coming in the future another third commentary. You can uh, get that by becoming a patron on our Patreon page mm -hmm. uh, at Patreon slash Death Readers. I think that's correct. I think that's it. It shouldn't be too hard to find if we're wrong. <laughs> we have links up somewhere. Probably. Anyway, if you want to help us out, you can go become a patron. That'll help keep uh, help us keep the lights on and keep the podcast going to support the 
hosting fees and etc. So that's one of the things we offer on the Patreon. And if you if you sign up and become a patron, we will send you a personalized postcard that's right. via Owl Post, <laughs> and and we will write a personalized message to you, and we'll sign it, and we'll be like, "We're big shots. You value our writing. Here is our very own personal ink stock for you to treasure." and frame and put on your wall for the low, low price of a patron fee. <laughs> anyway, um, so check that out because we just did that. So, But now we're going to get into actually Harry Potter and the Goblet, and the of, Goblet Fire. of Fire. Uh, or as I like to call it, a flaming mo. Whoa. What's the matter, Homa? Chapter one. Chapter we're one. in chapter one. The Riddle House. The first uh, cold, I, I, call, I call it cold open. That's not correct, but non-Harry open since the first book. But it is still sort of a Harry open. We just don't know it till the end of the chapter. I suppose that's true. Still, I... It's, it's like a POV Harry open. Okay. But it's not Harry's POV. Okay. Yeah. It, it's, it, you're, not, you're not wrong. You're just not entirely correct. There's just a little bit of a tale at the end of what you said that's... What are your, what's your takeaway from this chapter? This, my, my takeaway from this chapter... Okay, we'll go for the overview first. Yeah. My takeaway from this chapter on, on the overview is that I really liked it. Mm -hmm. It was really fun. It felt like we're entering a Harry Potter horror film, mm -hmm. and th that was kind of cool. It was the first time where I felt like, oh, cool, you know, Voldemort's pretty scary here, and not like in a cartoon way. Sure. Like in a Scooby-Doo, like, not that goofy, but like the kind of like, before they figure out it's just the janitor. Sure. <laughs> like, and, right, and, right, right. and they're like, oh my God, like this is pretty horrifying what's happening. And that was how it was setting up, and it felt like it, it was a really effective way to add the amount of dread that we're supposed to be feeling for this character in a way that I actually felt like I felt it. I also really like the Peyton Place style nature of the interaction of the townspeople. Oh, just yeah. the gossipy, that scene, that well, shot of life. I, I have something to say about okay, that, but okay, I think so, it, I have an order here. Oh, you have, okay, yeah. let's, let's go um, in order. I have a page two. And, and it really is, this, this note actually is directly with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Okay, uh, I just... Uh, the the pub that the, all the town people hang out in is called the Hanged Man, which oh. which fits a very like British pub as far as I understand them to be you know name styling. I'm right there with you. And and that's cool. It's it's very slaughtered lamb. It's very you know uh, World's End kind mm -hmm. of thing. The two the, my two British Your pub two pub references. references I would have had. Yes. <laughs> if you'd ask me what are two movies <laughs> talk about British pubs, American World from London and World's, World's End. End. Yeah. Well, it's One it, third. Got nothing. If I think I, I'm, if I worked hard, I might be able to come up with a third that I actually have seen. Sure. But at the moment, no. Uh, so I, I love. I mean, it'd be, be something I don't remember because of the amount of the level of ridiculous. Yes. Like, the knackered lass. Right. Is that a, is that? One? I don't know, but it sounds like one, right? Oh. I Can you know. name a pub after a lady? Yeah, totally. You know the thing about pubs though is that it's not just like uh, they don't. Oh, uh, I would also throw in Lord of the Rings. The Green Dragon. Not okay. necessarily a British pub, but definitely that style. It's in the Shire. If any part of Middle-earth is Britain. Right. And the Prancing Pony. That's another one in that uh, series. Shit. Again, though, animals, animals and then... The Hanged Man is not, like... I'm just thinking of all the ones in World's End, and I can't remember if there are ladies at all. There, there I don't remember. There was something. No, there were ladies. Uh, I think I don't think there's a rule that says you can't name a pub after a lady. I like the Knackered Lass. That's a good one. I like... I, I would If I was going to name a pub, it would probably be something like the... Reg the the regretful morning, <laughs> or or like or like, 
the devastating divorce <laughs> or something wow. something really horrible <laughs> like this is becoming like harry potter names where you just like you just walk in and it's just like i don't want to drink there <laughs> or, or like i only like all i want to do when i'm here is drink a lot because it's really depressing so so i there's that shtick that they're following mm -hmm. with the naming of the the place and it, it reminded me at first of like oh man i i want to go to england and go on a pub tour and like drive or like do that that'd be fun like you know get some fish with microplastics and chips and <laughs> oh, oh. i mean i would eat it of course but... you're eating anytime you eat fish you're gonna eat that you're eating mercury and you're eating microplastics Sorry, girl will help with that yeah, it'll just make it so you forget just with the like the fat and the salt. So was, I like I was thinking, oh, that, that's that's cool. I want to be there. And then it like is a really horrible like sequence where they're like, there's murder, and we gotta let's you guys hear about this guy. That's wrong voice, but you know just keep it. It's it's how it works. <laughs> like it's gonna be um, less offensive that way. <laughs> um, the, but it also because I'm gonna be this kind of nerd. It's an apt name because what happens in this pub in this chapter is that this poor guy gets essentially executed by public opinion. Mm -hmm. He gets Absolutely. he's strung up like by these people's gossip. It doesn't appear he's definitely not guilty. I'm gonna I'm gonna assume this guy's not guilty. I feel like it's obvious who killed these people or how this happened. Chapter pretty much said. Are you are you staying with the? I'm saying that like the flow of the narrative as as at the point of the story. I'm saying that like he wasn't arrested for it mm -hmm. but i think that the way that magic works is who knows how anything happens sure. i'm i'm going to be open to the idea that maybe he actually did do it because he dies mm -hmm. i think he probably didn't do it because then there's no payoff sure and i'm pretty sure i know who did it sure but etc cetera, etc cetera. i i in the world let's pretend he, he might not he might be guilty maybe okay but either way the, the name of the pub is really reflective of what's happening in the scene. It's one of those, like, it's one of those, like, cute, like, writing things mm -hmm. where you're like, oh, see what I did there? It's like, it's a little clever. I, I also, the other thing I really like about his, his character is that, like, th this is all happening, right? His whole mm -hmm. execution publicly, etc. But the thing that makes these people suspicious of him is essentially that he's a shell-shocked veteran. Mm -hmm. And that's, I felt like way darker than I expected this to go. And also like, I don't ever hear any, like it's not part of my cultural reference point to reflect on World War II veterans sure. being treated like that. Uh, especially now, like any of the surviving World War II veterans, at least in the United States are treated so well. Mm -hmm. Like they're very much like people love promoting the fuck out of them. Regardless of what they what they actually did, what that person did in through the war, the fact that they served is enough to make them a fucking superhero. But this kind of reaction to a soldier with like being shell shocked with PTSD would I think is weird because I feel like it would fit better in a seventies or sixties time period because at least in the United States there was this sort of reaction to Vietnam vets as if they themselves like wanted to go to war to kill people as opposed to being like pawns in a horrible corrupt government scheme to fuck well, up I mean, this. when this happened it was 50 years ago no the the public opinion yeah oh the public opinion yes but we, 50 we, years ago from the 90s which would have been the 40s not long after world war ii exactly which right. was not not the vietnam i see what war. you're saying i see yes. what you're saying i see what you're saying right so but but i mean i i, I would not be surprised if that was the attitude towards Shell shock back then. Maybe like like it, it seems like it'd be a step up from cowardice. Like oh, you just couldn't handle it. 
Yeah. He wasn't, a re- he wasn't man enough to deal with the atrocities of war. Not like this guy over here who's right. secretly beating his wife at night. Or, or is an alcoholic, right, but like, right. is stuck at home being an alcoholic. Uh, all, all the trauma that occurs to people in the 70s. Right. <laughs> Where does it come from? Um, anyway, so yeah, on that on the note you mentioned earlier, I feel like that's sort of part of it. Part of sure. the, the tone is like this extra maturity level, which I don't really feel like follows in the follow- the preceding chapters, immediately at least, but this one felt way more mature than most of their stuff. Like the idea of even, not she didn't use the word shell-shocked or PTSD, but that structure, like the idea of her saying like even hinting at me like oh he he seemed to not like crowds or loud sure. noises stuff like that was like i understand what she's saying it's not difficult to comprehend it's a kid's book but it is heavy material for children even if you're 14 like i mean are you 14 in reading like vietnam stories really like that's not really no no or, or or war stories about like not just like this is a heroic battle and this story is fact-based or, but in more like this is what happens in your brain when you go crazy from war right I thought that was really uh, sort of incredible. My, my, my note on page seven is a note that it's... I want to pause for a second. Yeah, yeah. Have we mentioned yet that we're doing four chapters and that's out of the norm? No. We're doing four chapters and that's out of the norm. Yeah, today we're going to do chapters one through four. Yes. Uh, th- this book uh, has an odd number of chapters and also there's certain sections of the chapters where they're really there's a lot of pages we're trying to block it out ahead of time yeah we're, we're gonna figure out how it goes we're not gonna tell you because we might change our minds but this yeah, we don't know yet this this episode is four chapters chapters one through four yes. go ahead yeah so page seven on page seven it is this note i have that I, I mean when i read it i knew what they were talking about but i wanted to be gross okay and it's when voldemort tells tells peter that he has to milk nagini i mean i'm not I always get a gross vibe. The word milking is gross. I think yes. that should be established in any in kind forever. of manual peristalsis applied to any part of any organic creature is gross. Yep. Does he mean, do you think, her fangs milking the venom? That's what it's called. It is called that, but. When you extract the venom from a snake. So he's drinking snake venom. I don't know what he's using it for. He, I don't think he says he's drinking it. I don't recall I that. Thought, I assumed it was in the bottle that he was feeding him. Oh, maybe it was. Ugh, that's really cool. Right. I wish that was a little more clear. Right. Because if she's... I don't know. I don't... Because I, I always kind of thought it was some sort of, you know, wizarding milk of snake <laughs> kind of... She's got a milk sack. Ugh. Well, there... Either, yeah, okay. Here's the actual... So, I... Uh, uh, my, so... my problem with this is... Go ahead. My problem with this is if I, if I hadn't seen for like Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, I would just look at it like, obviously he's talking about extracting venom from the snake. Right, right. But the fact that we know that this poor snake is actually a lady adds this extra element of gross and like, like he knows, right? Like he knows she's a lady. I'm sure, I'm sure he has to. If, she, if he can talk to snakes, she's going to tell him her story. That's how Voldemort gets you on his side. Right. He listened to Jenny for how long? Yeah. He would have totally listened to Nagini. Especially since it's the same thing. Yeah. The soul transference thingy. Uh, that is another thing that we'll have to talk about in we'll three about books. Later, yeah. <laughs> but still. Yeah. I, I is, feel, does okay. a maledictus have more mammalian parts than a regular reptilian snake? I don't know. How's the transfer of magic work on that? Right. Right. I think, I think what we should really just say is that the twist of Nagini being a person was a mistake. Yeah. 
I, I, th- I think that that was a huge mistake. It's one of those tying up. It's a fucking fan service. Don't need to be tied. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fan service sailor's knot that was a useless piece of shit. Fan service sailor's knot. I like yeah, that. Thanks. Way better than anything I that's was good, saying. That's a good uh, episode title. I can I can tie you a sheep shank. <laughs> I don't know any others. I don't know like. I don't need this working class bullshit. <laughs> that's for, is that from something? Jaws. Oh yeah, Jaws. This is what happens. There you go. Right. You go there again. Um. I mean, you have a good one. Um, <laughs> anyway. You have a good uh, Dreyfus. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but but that that's really where my, like, I would inst- I would reflexively look at milking as a gross word and latch onto it. Right. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> would I have got it without the face? I don't know. Honestly, I don't. <laughs> Point is, there was a face, and I got See, it. I get, that's what we know. When, when humor's really dry, <laughs> you have to uh, you have to indicate harder. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me! <laughs> I'm gonna beam this into your brain. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I would have latched onto the word milking regardless, but the fact that mostly just because it's like a honestly, it's more like because it's a snake, and I would have been like, that's not right. But but I know that fangs are a thing, and I know that's what you call it when you extract venom from a snake. But the fact that it's also presumably a woman in some capacity, because I feel like it's still even kind of vague. Like I don't remember what her. Why she can do? This. She's not an animagus. No, she's a maledictus. What is a maledictus differential from? I think we mentioned this in episodes from previous. What but I I've forgot. gleaned from various sources, including that, uh, well, no, the um, the book. Shut up. Crimes of Grindelwald ah. display. Oh in yes. the AT and T store in yes. Chicago, where we got to see all the actual costumes. Let's see. A maledictus is a person born with a blood curse. What Ew. does that mean? I don't know. But she's born and she's cursed to become this creature, and eventually she won't be able to turn back. So, but the she still has choices about turning. I it seemed that way in the movie that she it's could turn into a snake at on will, will right. unless there it was a there's a series of events that need to happen and you could structure those and do it. At it's just will. such a waste of, of this um, whole character. And also, does that mean she never dies? Because well, no. she's fifty years old, she doesn't. Or plus, she doesn't not die because she fucking seventy died. years old. She dies though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But she dies under very specific circumstances, and I'm saying, I'm saying, even at this point in the book, she might not have yet that connection to not dying that we know she will later have. Right. Um, so at that point, she's still like 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 mm, sixty years old here. Either way, it's it, the whole handling of Nagini is real sloppy towards. And I, I'm gonna way jump ahead, like sure. So the last Let's end of it. the series and say, making her a Horcrux is stupid, because it's an organic thing. It's a living thing. It can you can outlive it, right. <laughs> presumably. Well, and, and, and if and, you don't have a magic sword, can you kill her? Oh, I guess I don't know the answer right, to that. That's what I'm. Does, does you it, don't think you could like? Well, you can't kill. Suffocate you, her. Let's look. Let's look at the book. You can't kill the Horcrux diary without, without a, a basilisk, basilisk fang. fang or some other equally potent magical object. Right. So that means theoretically you couldn't kill Harry, or you couldn't kill Nagini, unless you had something that strong. God, Horcrux magic is so fucking stupid. Like, because <laughs> the idea that like you could accidentally make Harry a Horcrux. Well, I mean, that's it's so stupid. That's written. We'll get Maybe to that. I'll let's get, get to that. It just feels we'll stupid. It might, it might still be stupid, but let's wait to get to that. 
Whatever. I mean, I believe you. It's just... Oh, <laughs> milking. Milking. <laughs> we really milked that subject. Yeah, I, I, I think, that, again, my, my main point is Voldemort. Mm. You better watch out using that word when you don't mean actually extracting lactation from a mammal because they went at, the milk lobby went after almonds. They'll come after you. Gotcha. Okay. Milk lobby. I heard blobby. No, I'm lobby. like, is he trying to say Dobby? I'm so confused. No, no, no. Milk lobby, yes. Milk lobby. You lost me with almonds. Almond milk. They, they would make... What, what kind of snake is... No, no, you, I got it now. You you, oh. you threw out... What kind of snake is Nagini? She always presents as a python, but if she's got milkable fangs... Pythons have teeth, but they don't... Pythons inject. aren't venomous. Right. Um, no, there uh, there are snakes that aren't venomous. That's... Sure. That's well documented. Um, I, 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 I Clearly, we've not milked the subject enough because I'm, I'm still on it. We can keep this going. Um, the... I really wish they had done the tying up. I wish they had done the fan service sailor knot of taking the the snake that Harry released from the cage in the first book and made that Nagini. That would have been so much cooler sure. than the bullshit she ends up doing with Fantastic Beasts or anything else. Because I, I think the answer is unfortunately Nagini is a magic snake. <laughs> like she is un she's disproportionately sized, shaped, and what's the biggest venomous snake? The biggest venomous snake, I'm going to guess it'd be probably black mambas are pretty big. Um, I'm not just saying that because Ooh, it's my Patronus. Forgot about that, too. I have another thing that I looked up. It was about my Patronus. No, I'm ignoring that because you know how much that hurt me. <laughs> what are you like? A, you're like a sandfish, right? Or something like that? You're like um, a, I didn't like it. was a, a sphinx I was a, cat. I, yeah, it was a sphinx cat. Which kind of sounds badass until I you just, see it. I like the idea of you being like... The largest a... venomous snake is the king cobra. Really? 18 feet. That's pretty big. That's really... Well, it's long. Is length the same as the size? But the heaviest venomous snake is li is likely to be a gaboon viper. Ooh. Which has the longest fangs and de delivers the largest amount of venom. What are the weights? What are the average weights of either of those? Um... There's a whole chapter here on what determines the largest snake. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna answer can, your question. Yeah, that's fine. What I do want to do is look up the Gaboon Viper. Okay. Rainforest and savannas of Sub-Sahara Africa, like all vipers, it is venomous. Duh. <laughs> it is the largest member of the genus Bitus. Oh, nice. <laughs> the lazy day in the Latin class that day. <laughs> it was the longest fangs up to two inches. I wonder if. Wonder if Nagini is a Gaboon Viper. You know what? Just for the hell of it. But she's not venomous. What kind? If she, if they're milking her. Oh, it's true. Is. She is venomous. That's the right. Snake, is. I like. This is a, what kind of snake is this? Was the first <laughs> entry. I'm like, mm -mm. <laughs> there's a rumor that Nagini was the snake Harry released in the zoo. Man, eh, we know that. <sighs> and snake is Nagini. Stack exchange. Sci-fi questions. Some sort of viper or python. Not a python. <laughs> Pythons don't aren't venomous. They don't need to be. This venomous. person, I always assumed that Nagini, like Crookshanks, was a magical incarnation of your average animal. That's kind of what I was That's thinking. Totally what you were saying. Right. Okay. I believe I have deduced what species Nagini is. If she is some obscure type of magical creature, skipping, skipping, <laughs> skipping. TLDR, dude. <laughs> Nagini's name is almost a direct conjugation of the Hindi word for a female cobra. But she doesn't skipping, have any hood. Skipping. Shh. But maybe female cobras Shh. don't. Honey. I believe Nagini is a permanently engorgioed king cobra, or in her case, queen cobra smiley face. You're a fucking idiot. And if you're a listener, you're a fucking idiot. 
well, at least call the guy out by name I so that none of our it. listeners know that they're yeah. idiots. Listener, I'm not talking to you unless you believe Nagini is a permanently engorgioed king or queen cobra. Well, maybe she is, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> come, off that, come off that fence. Take a stand. I don't know. I, I mean, like, I don't remember descriptions of her in the book besides big-ass snake. Yeah. So I don't know, like... I don't remember if there's any description of her having a hood, if there's any description of her coiling things. Because that's, again, there are constricting snakes that do that, and there are snakes that aren't constricting, like vipers, that don't do that. However, if you're a person who is a snake, wouldn't you use your long, snaky body to coil around shit if you needed to bind something? Because Nagini does do that at times. I think, again, it just depends on how muscular you are. Like, that's the thing about cobras, or, or about, like, pythons and, and constrictors, is that they're... All snakes are basically just muzzle. Right. Those snakes are, re- are they're like bodybuilders of the snake world. Absolutely, absolutely. However, again, if you have a human brain and, and you're a snake body, couldn't you, wait, work your snake body out? Go if, to the snake gym and get your coil on. Think of it this way. Gotta work my coil. If you're a human brain. Snake Pilates. Human mind. Right. Trapped in a uh, body of the Amazon Alexa. There's nothing you can do to make yourself one of the walking robots. Like the, from the Honda robots that walk around. You can't, no matter what you do and your, how hard you think and how much you will it, you can't become stronger or more agile or more dexterous than you are. You can't, you can't. So Cobras aren't going to be able to just. totally set up a situation where you could transfer your brain to You're it. talking about transferring. I'm talking about if you're staying in the same body, that you can't change it. You can't make it more than that. Okay, but this is muscle that you can build. But but you're still limited by the DNA structure of those animals, is my but point. I'm saying snakes don't spend time working out. Maybe they have this ability. All they do is work out. Their, their full existence but is exercise. She's got 60 years. Or, you think she can't come up with some sort of There's not that many muscular 60-year-olds. But this is magic. <laughs> then why wouldn't she just... Again, why wouldn't she just more likely be a magic snake? Because you asked me, do I think she could do this? I don't think so. I it's think my answer. Difficult I don't think so. I'm trying to explain my answer before I give the answer. Okay. The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're wrong. I think she goes to... Snake Pilates? Snake, snake spin class. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I think I think it's more likely she's like a Crookshanks. Okay. Before, even before that person said that, I, I was on that line okay. thinking... She turns into a magical snake. Maybe there it's a are snake magical creatures. Of, maybe it's a snake made up of python body and and cobra venom. Well, like, yeah, there's just too much. There's just too much we just don't know. And I, it's not. It's one of those things where, like, hey, this is. Some, it's one of those things that matter. Like, I want to know more about this, sure. but unfortunately, it's not here. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have to read about Quidditch instead of the cool shit. So, that's a, all I got on Nagini. I'm sure we'll talk about more Nagini way more and eventually. Oh, I'm sure but, we are. But, I'm sure uh, we've spent like 40 minutes on her so far. Not not even close. 20, more like it. Um, all right. You don't have any page notes on this chapter, right? Oh, I do. I, I have okay. page notes. What's your page notes? Page 10? Uh, yeah, you're first then. Okay. This is just going to be a quick one, I think. This is just one of those, pay attention to this because it's kind of mentioned and it's one of those, it's important later. Is this actually page 10 or is this page 11 you just didn't read it right? Because that my note is one of those, this is foreshadowing things. What's the last sentence on page 10? You can want to read mine. Let me re- just read it. Read, read, read it for the court. I'm going to read the whole ch- paragraph. Oh, sure. I found you, said Wormtail. And there was definitely a sulky edge to his voice now. I was the one who found you. 
I brought you Bertha Jon Jorkins. <laughs> wow, Bertha Jenkins. I I seriously read it as Bertha Jenkins because I just didn't care. Yeah, but <laughs> who's Bertha Jorkins? It's a good question. Cool. My note. It's a real good question. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. What's your note on page eleven? So who's Bertha Jorkins? Are we not is that is, it the, saying, is it the thing where you're like we need to remember Bertha Jorkins? Yes. Okay. Cool. Uh, we'll remember Bertha Jorkins. Yeah. Jenkins, Jorkins, whatever. Clearly, she's not important. <laughs> uh, page eleven is is a moment of blatant foreshadowing. I think I think I've written this down too, but you go ahead. Yeah. Because this is yours. Voldemort says to Wormtail that people would give their right hand to perform the task for him or whatever. Flesh of the servant, Gavin, <laughs> willingly sacrificed, or whatever he says. That's pretty good. That's that's my note. It's like okay. I love that you always do that in the Voldemort voice. I'm pretty sure it's it's Wormtail who it's says Wormtail's it. It's Wormtail's voice, but like, well, I always try to do it, and it's, that's not my Voldemort voice because Voldemort has a different voice that I don't want to do right now. But <laughs> that's fair enough. But we, we have, Wormtail has the kind of voice that's like I always imagine he's much more like snarky and erudite. Which he's not. He's a fucking scumbag. Right, right, like he's right. he's a pathetic piece of shit, like betrayer. Mm -hmm. But like I, in my head, I always read him like he's like, yes. <laughs> like I always have that like, little nasal and higher pitched like, like he's Edward G. Robinson. I don't know. Who, yeah, yeah. Like like I imagine he's like he, he's he's like uh, a British bank robber for some yeah, reason. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Like, yeah. Large fedora, pinstripe suit. Yes. Shoulder pads. Yes. Yes. He's 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 like that. Um, that's all I have on this chapter. Really? Okay, so page 12. Go for it. I'm only bringing this up because I think this is one of those things I I was confused by later. One of those clues that I was confused. Ah. When I got to the part later in the book that this is directly foreshadowing, yes. I'm like, what? And it took me a while. I'd come back and see this, like, this, this throwaway paragraph where Voldemort says, We could have modified her memory? But memory charms can be broken by a powerful wizard, as I proved when I questioned her. Right. Somebody had put a spell on yes. her. Right. Right. I, that is important. I saw that, too, and it, and it occurred to me. I, I noticed it, but I disregarded it because I was like, this is clearly supposed to be that. Like, th this is supposed to be a thing you're supposed to go, what? The mystery is here. And then it's eventually revealed in a way that feels groan-worthy because it's 700 pages from now. <laughs> um, it's, it's just... I think because when I first read this, I had like you just went past it. Well, I had a, I had a brand new Harry Potter book. I wasn't reading word for word. I was Fucking taking speed it in. Reading. I was just like, oh. And yeah. so when I get to later, I'm like, what? Who's Bertha? What? Right. And what the with the what? And right. who's the did the what? But yes, right. Someone else has been meddling in there. Yeah. And that's important. My guess would was with that was that it was my guess was that it was Dumbledore that put a memory charm protecting protecting this person from something that he had. A secret that he had, or something. Interesting. I don't know that to be true. It could equally be another a, a Death Eater that he needed information from, or a completely different person, or a completely different person who it absolutely is, because both of my theories are obviously wrong. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just. No, of course it is. Keeping no, the game table yeah, open. Yeah, of course. I'm saying it could be a number of things. Yeah, no, no. Of course, it could be. But those are important things. Okay, what else? Could, are it I? could be, could be, could be Hagrid, right? Is it? Is it? It could, could be Hagrid. Hagrid. Who did? Who? Uh, Lupin. All right. So. Chapter two, the, the scar. scar, or the info dump chapter. How now, I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. <laughs> shoot. Guy could have a pretty nice night on the town with this packet. I don't remember what he said. Point is. I once, loved the info dump, by the way. You love it. I loved this one. Okay. Because I was, I was remembering once upon a time, 
in in my halcyon days <laughs> of young podcasting, I once said she's really good at the uh, delicate info dump where you don't realize you're being info dumped, and that seems to be mm-hmm. gone. But also, it kind of gets it out of the way. Yeah, I felt like I liked this one. Be- <laughs> when I was reading this, I recognized that it was an info dump chapter. Yeah. But my thought was, oh, if I had started the series here, it would make no fucking difference. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting point. Because <laughs> I was like, all of she just said, okay, I know you've read 700 pages of Harry Potter, may- maybe more at this point. Right. This is the important stuff. <laughs> like. I've condensed it to five, ten pages. Here it is. And it's like, wow, that's that feels cheap. That feels like being cheated mm-hmm. a little. Like like my my weird take on maybe it's not weird, but my selfish take on these books so far has been like they feel like so much chaff. Mm-hmm. And that's up I, I don't like it. I don't appreciate it. Like um, she's done all the work of breaking it down for you. Yeah, right there. And it's like, why couldn't we have just started there? Or or like couldn't you have made that 400 pages instead of eight or seven like you, you couldn't have done that right uh whatever um she brief she is not so my first note on cha- in chapter two is page 22 i have 18 go for it i wrote actually the a quote here it says harry's reflecting on all of his injuries from previous uh books and he says to himself accidents and injuries are unavoidable for someone who attends hogwarts i think he actually says someone who who attends hogwarts and a tracks trouble trouble yeah. or something but it, it, again it's one of this is, i'm gonna interrupt myself in like what you're saying about this being an exposition chapter i feel like every single first episode of death readers is the same shit i feel and it's not our fault no it's because the fucking first parts of all of these books are the same shit and you can't react to something that's not there you can only react to the material presented so i i, I it just it feels like once again this is one of those things where I have to bring up, why the fuck does anybody go to Hogwarts? Like, why does any parent send their kids to Hogwarts when it's that dangerous? Like, I get that not no one has died at Hogwarts for 50 years. And that, that if that's the only statistic you're going by, is sounds like a pretty safe place. <laughs> like, if you're in an American school, you might get fucking shot without Oof. knowing. But, at least at Hogwarts, no one's died for 50 years. Um, but, we've had, you know... 20 days since our last mass shooting. Um, but you, you have, like... It just it just bothers me. It's like, why why would any wizard parent send their kids to camp emergency room? <laughs> That's what Hogwarts feels like. Like Maybe maybe they're toughening, toughening them up. That seems like a weird thing to do. <laughs> like, like, I get the whole, like, sometimes you got to get your kid to get chicken pox. I get that. But but don't have a chicken pox party. Don't make them, like, don't put them in a place right. where on a, because someone is an, uh, because one of their instructors and their caregivers is a moron could remove their bones. Right. <laughs> that feels dangerous and unnecessarily so. Yes. I, I, oh, I just don't get it. I, I feel like the school should be shut down. If there was any sort of, like, welfare in the wizarding world, they would be looking into that. Like any sort of like OSHA for schools or whatever that shit's called. I don't know if there's an actual organization. I mean, in the next book, the ministry gets pretty involved in the goings on of Hogwarts. Yeah, about fucking time. I might be on the side of, of what's her name? Uh, Dolores. Dolores Umbridge, yeah. Uh, I might be on Dolores' side by the time that book gets here because it's like, <laughs> yeah, assholes. Like, do how many people do we have to have suffer before we get some oversight? Fuck. Oh, anyway, you said you're, what page, 20? 22. I have 21. Go for it. 
Harry is stupid. <laughs> this old chestnut. Again, Harry is stupid. Everyone, everyone, Harry is stupid. He should absolutely listen to his inner Hermione voice. She is always right. What a fucking loser. Funny, because mine's about the inner Ron voice on the next page. Well, like his inner Hermione voice says, wow, you have a, an injury? Perhaps look to the smartest person you know to answer, to ask questions and get help for yourself. Maybe look it up in a book. And then he goes like, I'm smarter than that. I know better than that. I know that there's nothing in this book about a cursed scar because I'm the only person who's ever had a cursed scar. <laughs> if and, only he could have seen his face. <laughs> it's all this self-importance on his own injury. Like, dude. Just write Dumbledore a fucking note. Like you're sending like Hedwig out willy nilly everywhere. Like this whole this chapter is like Hedwig's got to go to the Weasleys. Got it? Or well, I think it's actually Pig that goes to the. And that's the next chapter. Yeah. But Hedwig's gonna go check out Sirius. Hedwig's probably probably should go also deliver a letter to Dumbledore and say, Hey, I feel like I'm sick. Right. Imagine how cool that would be. Imagine this. Okay. Imagine this. We're going off book. <laughs> Imagine. You get a sequence like that stupid fucking triple decker bus sequence. Right. But Harry has to be Harry has to go to a magical hospital or he gets a magical ambulance or something like that. Somebody a magical doctor apparates into his room. He's like, "Oh, I I I've seen that there's been a magical, you know, wish cast or whatever where you have uh, you you put out there that you need medical help and I'm here. I've been assigned in your case. What's this? I see your chart here. Magical scar. Hey, what's your name? Harry Potter. Oh, I've heard of you. Well, Harry Potter? Like, <laughs> double take? Like, and then... <laughs> you go, and, then, and then, like, and then the guy's just, like, fascinated. He's rump, like, mumbling to himself about how he's gonna, he's gonna write some sort of wizarding medical paper and put, get it published in, you know, I don't know, fucking, uh, Hufflepuffs and Hiccups, the magazine or some shit. And then, like, get it, the, the, the medical journal, Hufflepuffs and Hiccups. And then, and then he's gonna become a, a extremely famous wizarding doctor and then harry's like like when he meets dobby he's just aghast and confused and and just shook and then all this other magical cool shit happens and then the guy basically tells him i i, I he looks at me he looks over he pull like he pulls harry's tongue out and does something with his wand so his tongue gets really long and it's this extra thing where harry's like what's happening and then they you know or he shit like that you could just get really imaginative with sure. it the kind of shit that happens at the end of chapter four all of that could happen here to harry to again like thrust like just bring it all fast but it doesn't happen it just like he's just like i'm smarter than her <laughs> i'm smarter than my inner hermione and then and 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 obviously that's narratively really there to introduce the concept of the character tones of ron and hermione sure. that's why it's there because it's not in the scene but we want to get them introduced early if this is somebody's first book which it sure. easily could have been so <laughs> I, I just I look at that and I, th I think that that's that's what bothers me about this is that Harry just so much just he's just fucking stupid. <laughs> What's your? Those are really good points. Those are really really good points. So my mine's coming from a different angle, as you know. You're a big Ron Rooter. I'm a big Ron Rooter, and I don't I feel like the movies do him dirty. Yeah. And they just make him kind of whiny, reactionary. I'm going to have the whoosh, Barney Fife reaction. Big eyes. And then Harry's imaginary Ron doesn't do that any service. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't it, at it, all. It, Harry's imaginary Ron is exactly what everybody else thinks of Ron. And I'm like, fuck. When Harry's... Fuck. He goes... 
<laughs> and in a moment, Ron's red hair and long-nosed, freckled face seemed to swim before Harry, wearing a bemused expression. Your scar hurt, but, but, but you know who can't be near you now, can he? I mean, you'd know, wouldn't you? He'd, he'd be trying to do you in again, wouldn't he? I'd, I don't know, Harry. Maybe Chris Scar's always 200, but I'll ask Dad. And I'm like, come on, Ron. God damn it. Yeah, long gone are the days of the Ron that will get on the human-sized wizard's chest pieces and fight for Harry right? to the death. Just fucking, I'm your, I'm your fucking Galahad. Right. I'm taking his shit down. Yeah. Let's go. Right. It's, oh, jeepers, not spiders, yeah. Mr. Potter. Right. It's like Harry's distilled in inner Ron perspective is what you just said. Yeah. It is how he gets characterized throughout the films. And, and unfortunately, and, that doesn't speak well to your no, championing of him. However, it does speak very well to your Harry, Harry stupid. The, well, Harry the manipulator. Yeah. Harry who bought Ron's friendship. Right. Harry who doesn't see Ron as anything more than a flunky. Right. So Ron can still exist in this, but you got to look for it, people. You got to look for it. He's there. I wonder. I'm gonna pop, we're going off book again. Okay. I wonder where Harry has Hermione and Ron. Mm-hmm. And whereas we look at Hermione's, I think I look at Hermione's being way more important than sure. Ron. And I think most people do. Um, whereas Harry has those those two friends, with the idea of Ron being more of a flunky, do you imagine there's an opportunity, and perhaps a very interesting opportunity, to have a series of seven books following the same timelines as these seven books, but from Draco Malfoy's perspective, so having can... the having Crabbe and Goyle as his two best friends, and we could really expand upon those two characters or those three characters and see how you know what they're not that different an inner shadow kind of thing yes i think there is i think there totally could be and i think it would be the kind of thing that would the parallel there would really upset a lot of potter fans Mm -hmm. because it's like no crab and goyle they fit my very specific like preconceived notion of a bully yeah they fit into my box this box they say they are this they are stupid i know they're stupid she wouldn't have said they were stupid unless they're stupid they can't be any more in depth or complex or multifaceted than stupid (laughs) draco says that he doesn't think they can read kind of thing and and like she does that Mm -hmm. characterization of so many people, mm-hmm. so many characters she has, she just shits all over and doesn't take the time, at least in the first three books, to give, to, not even doesn't take the time to give them like character, she deliberately makes them one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. fucking shitty. But if it's just Harry's point of view, but is it, it could be, well, I'm saying, if it's just Harry's point of view, it could easily be expanded in a, in a reverse series. Yes. And that would be very interesting. Right. I would right. love to read it from Draco's. Right. It could even be one book summing up the same. Can you imagine years. how much angst, more, how much more angst Draco probably has, rightfully so, than Harry does? Absolutely. Like growing up in that household with that father and that mother. The pressures of your pure blood parentage. Right. And you're just, you're so, like, you're a kid who's so hungry for positive influence, for, for affection, for care. And you don't get it. And everywhere you look, you get this, like, judgment and this shittiness from everybody. Because you You're have this name. you the evil house, and you've been conditioned to want to be sorted into the evil house. But part of you is like, but why? Yeah, I don't you, want that. You don't, you don't actually have that evil uh, urge. It's just you've, you've been pushed this way, and you don't like it. So how do you react? You find it can lash out at everybody and everything. And you find these people who you can sort of, yeah, they're not that 
like deep, but you can get them to spend time with you. And they'll they won't they won't like just put you in a boarding school sure. or ship you off. They're they're your pals. I mean, imagine the sorting hat scene. Imagine he's sitting down. You remember how the sorting hat barely touches his head? Right. Maybe he's sitting there going, Gryffindor. Well, no. What if he just want to be like a fucking Hufflepuff? Just simple. The the one he, he said. Probably would... I wouldn't want to be a Hufflepuff. I'd rather go somewhere else if I was there. Maybe that's what he secretly wants. The nice gentle like, like he's true a... Hufflepuff. And he sits down in the chair and they're bringing the hat over and he has that thought for a second. He goes, No, stupid, Scabby Slytherin, Scabby Slytherin. Hat touches his head. Here's that Slytherin. Yeah, that's interesting. Or, or he's like, like he's a closeted Hufflepuff. Yeah, he's totally. just, he's, yeah. I bet, I bet he is. I bet he is too. I, I would be, I would be interested. Okay, we want, we want to see the Draco Malfoy seven book series, and we've got to see the uh, origins of Hogwarts, the Slytherin, Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff origin story, that the, the Lord of the Rings style epic of, you know, the three books of them just whatever it was that made them come together. Yeah. All that we want, we need those two series. God damn it, no more following the story of like Harry Potter, no more fucking Fantastic Beasts, just fuck all that shit. These are the things that are interesting. It's, it's, it seems so obvious. It seems so obvious that this is the stuff that has this is where the, the mind is rich. Yes, this is the vein that is like seething with interest. But you know, is that I guess that's not gonna make money because you gotta get the fucking guy from Balls of Fury into a movie. Okay, yes. Got him. I'm like, who the fuck? Oh, right. Frederick. <laughs> yeah. You you had 22? I, that was 22. Do we, do we, okay, so I have... 22. I'm going to actually crack open my butterbeer. Oh. Ooh. Technically, it's a honey cream, but I felt like that was kind of like sure. a butterbeer sure, sure, kind sure. of thing. And that's what we call Foley. <laughs> I was... I, I, I got I to gotta admit, I'm a little disappointed I didn't get a nice crisp... I not Coca-Cola, man. It's fair. I, um, I have an overview of this chapter before we move on. Unless page you have, 24. You have page 24, okay. I'm trying to read my notes. My note says... It tastes more like banana. Sorry. The highly useful floorboard, not a highly useful... Right. Have we... Do we meet the floorboard before? <laughs> what a weird question. Um, have I, we met this character? I, I we have a uh, loose floorboard in Azkaban. Just because she's referenced it like we've talked about it before. And I know that she sometimes does that. Like, oh, by the way, this is a thing. Maybe. Hashtag Hand of Glory. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe um, maybe it's a maybe it's a thing. You said Azkaban. You mean in the book, not in the place? In the book, yes. In okay, the book so Azkaban, have we talked about Harry's hidden floorboard? We might have, and I can't remember. I, I think there may have... Harry had to keep his book somewhere, right? Okay, that may, okay, maybe that's what it was. He had to hide his books. Maybe it was in the floorboard. Because he's keeping the cakes and shit. Right. Is it, yeah, they don't well, have we, fucking, haven't to, we haven't got to the cakes yet. They don't have mice problems? or like, That's a really unsanitary place to keep food. Seems like he'd it's be probably eating. In a, it's probably in magical parchment. <clears throat> magical waxed paper. <clears throat> Wax with newt spleen. I don't know what Okay, that anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that it probably was, and I'll just move on to Chapter 3, The Invitation. Okay, so you had an overview of the scar. Yeah, well, yes. It's not really an overview of a scar. It's just a note on something that happens in the chapter that isn't page numbered okay. but is is i think a revelatory question that i'm sure she has some sort of shitty way to write away later here's the, here's the whole concept harry makes a very specific point as to mentioning that if that sirius must be somewhere tropical because he keeps getting these big fucking tropical birds that come by instead of owls for the post yes. but he knows that if he sends hedwig hedwig would find sirius and give him the letter right 
why couldn't someone send an owl, any generic owl to find Sirius Black and follow the owl and then find Sirius Black? Why couldn't the ministry do that? I don't know. That silence got to stay. <laughs> Shorten it. So people don't think the podcast is dying. Because <laughs> it's important how long you had to wait to figure out how to answer that. Because, well, because every time I started to come up with an answer, a new yeah. variant of your question popped in. Like, why can't they send him a port key where he opens right. the package? Like, what's... And then, and oh, he's, I'm in Azkaban. He's Azkaban. Yeah. Or why can't they put a some sort of homing device or tracking, magical tracking on the owl, uh, any of a thousand things, any sort of magical, you've been served. Well, it's like, or, or I've opened the, this letter, oh shit, they know where I'm at. Or there's some sort of bullshit with like, well, only Hedwig could find him, because only Hedwig knows where he is. And it's not like, you know, owls just know where you are. That's why they have to say, hey, tell, t what, he's, what happens when the end of the chapter is where Harry's like, I'm going to be, oh, he says, serious, serious, I'm going to be at the, the Weasleys for the rest of the summer, so send your post there. Right. But that's not how the owl post really seems to work. What if there's some sort of secret keeper magic where Sirius has to say, I'm unplottable, but your owl can know where I'm at? Well, we know like, that... hey, Hedwig, I'm Sirius Black. We're cool. You can find me wherever I'm at. Right. You can find me. There, yeah, that'd be cool. That, I would accept that, I guess. And we know that there's magic. There's pre-established magic already of being able to shroud someone from another person. Sure. With with there's nothing they can do about it. Right. Like Harry's protected from Voldemort, etc., right. etc. Cetera, et cetera. Still, also they used Miles in this book. Anyway, oh, England uses Miles. Do they? Yeah, they use the metric system and Miles. Go fig. Huh. Wonky. Um, I'm pretty sure. I'm gonna say I'm pretty sure, but I'm pretty pretty sure. It's weird. It just seems like the, the Ministry should be able to be very easily find serious. Or I, anybody. I, I think her argument would just simply be, uh, would did you want a thousand page book? Because I could have put Maybe. the reasons in, but I cut them for time. I feel like three sentences might figure it out. Put three sentences here, and three sentences there, another sentence and a half. Yeah, cut elsewhere. out all the Quidditch. There's only one Quidditch in this. It's probably a pretty cool Quidditch too. It's the World Cup. Yeah. Ronsky fade, bitches. I don't know what that means, but it's still cool. <laughs> anyway, that was my big revelatory thing from this chapter. Was what it's, the it's fuck? It's not a bad. It, it's a great question. It feels like it's a. It feels like it's a real like simple thing. Like if you were gonna try to find this criminal and you know somebody who can uh, contact them. Tap that person. <laughs> I just, I just love like the the fake police contest. Congratulations, Mr. Black. Yeah, you yeah, won yeah. a new boat. Yeah, open and you'll get it, and then <laughs> yeah. it's a port key. And you, I like that idea. It would be super easy. Anyway, whatever. Chapter three. Chapter three: The Invitation. I only have overview on this. Thirty-five. Let's do it. This is, I think it's like my, my only note on this chapter. If not, it's close to it. Very near the end. He looked, he Dudley, looked shocked to see the broad grin on Harry's face. That was an excellent breakfast, wasn't it? Said Harry. I feel really full, don't you? That's just Malfoy me. Yeah, it's rude. It's just, it's just, it's just cruelty. Cruelty. Just. It's just him being mean for the sake of being mean. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, that's honestly my main overview note on this chapter. Is that, is that it for this chapter on you? Uh, yeah, actually. Okay. So my, my, my main overview is, is like kind of on that line. That's a good example of this. Uh, I, from my perspective, and I feel like, again, we're, the thing about episode one of Death Reader books is that it's just fucking the same shit. But this one's particularly bothered me in a way where 
it's a it's a prime example of the the dual nature mm -hmm. of her writing about the Dursleys, or or just in general, where you have like this fifty fifty terrific, fun, light child writing, and then this horrible, cruel writing that she doesn't seem to understand the difference between. Mm -hmm. Because like, and I think that's the key is that she doesn't see them as different. I think she sees them through the lens of a fan of Roald Dahl where you have kids drinking out of rivers of chocolate or, you know, turning into big blueberries and having to be squeezed or juiced or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and like, I think she thinks that stuff, I think she thinks we're still in a time where that kind of writing is cool and it just isn't, it mm -hmm. feels cruel. It, it feels like the, the and then the, all the weight stuff just makes it feel so much worse. An argument being children can be inherently cruel Yes, but she but, it could be speaking but, right to that. But isn't that in a sense encouraging it? Isn't that in a sense validating it as an acceptable behavior because the hero of their children's book is doing it? Your your heroic characters for children's book need to be pretty strictly modelable. Mm -hmm. They, they kind of need to be kids that you they, they need to have a journey in an arc, but really you you have to take some responsibility, especially if you're gonna be as successful as these books, or, where you need to be conscious of your kind of providing a protagonist for children that is a, a template mm -hmm. in a way like this is someone that they want to aspire to be so be mindful consider that this these behaviors they're reading they're going to get especially if it's cruelty because children are really adept to cruelty they they can easily lean towards it and find the thrill of it and the power of it like the bullying aspect she calls dudley a bully in this chapter and it's mm -hmm. like harry's a bully it's like that thing you described is bullying. He's fucking teasing this kid about that being you fucking. Want, you don't get it. Well, not only that, but like, oh god, isn't it so nice? How I feel so great. And then the idea is Dudley's supposed to be like, I of course I don't feel great. Now I feel worse because you're obviously saying this horrible thing to me. But just like the, the first four pages are just about how fat Dudley is. Mm -hmm. You know, like spare no fat joke. <laughs> <laughs> there, these, none are spared. In the in these pages, tall as he is wide. Tall as he is finally, finally. as tall as wide she as he is did. tall. She Excuse did. me. Finally, as wide as he is tall. Yes, that's that's how it's written. But, but even more so, like beat me over the head with how this book isn't for fat children. Like this, I I, I you got you got to own that. Like J.K. Rowling needs to own that she wrote a incredibly successful book series that in no way takes any opportunity to be inclusive at least so far of overweight children of which in america at least there's a fucking lot of and that is that again speaks to me of more of it speaks to me of a cruelty coming from the author mm -hmm. and i've addressed this before sure but it just i'm just beating if she's gonna beat us over the head i'm gonna beat you guys over the head with it she fuck she's a she hates fat people and she uses these books to take it out on them take out her fucking prejudice or whatever it is it's in there mm -hmm. um and and it wouldn't bother me honestly it doesn't bother me if you're talking about like if you're treating real adults with a little bit of like you need to be responsible you, if, uh, you don't need to be but let's just we could have a conversation about how weight is a is a thing you have control over mm -hmm. and that you just we need to work on addressing individuals responsibility or care for themselves about how they handle their diets and i don't mean diets like i'm going to diet and lose weight i mean like appreciating how much you're actually eating when you eat certain things and if you eat those things a lot you're going to consume more calories than you can burn you're going to gain fucking weight if you make that your main 
you know, diet, you're going to be an overweight person and you're going to have a shorter lifespan and a less healthy lifespan, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Those are all responsible ways to address obesity. Mm -hmm. But just making fun of people, especially children's, it just seems cruel. Maybe um, it's some sort of agoro anorexia. Maybe. But. Where she's broadcasting it outwards because she feels that way herself. Well, she's extremely thin, but so probably. But like. Um, I mean, I mean, probably. Who the fuck do I know? I don't know this person, but it, it still seems like through her writing, just looking at her writing, she's got some issue. And again, like, I feel like the easy excuse is to say, no, it's just like she's so obviously influenced by Doll. And, and she clearly is. She I mean, clearly she is. is. She really is. But that's not really an, okay, that that excuse doesn't take into account the responsibility of being a writer not in the 70s or whatever. Well, so, what, even, but even Doll had sort of a. I'm just going to, I understand the way kids think, and I'm going to explore these things further in a way that would be incredibly interesting to kids. On that note, exactly that note, Matilda. Mm -hmm. We have a scene where Bruce is set up to be oh, shamed yes. for being fat, just to, torn apart for mm -hmm. being fat. He's forced to eat, like aversion therapy, forced to eat an entire chocolate cake. A big one. It's big. The biggest chocolate cake you could yes. imagine as a kid. Yep. And... And Trunchbull, it becomes a heroic moment. Yeah, exactly. It, it becomes this triumphant thing where, like, he, using his fatness, he's able to <laughs> overcome this thing that was supposed to embarrass him and to, to the thrill of everyone in the school, to all of his peers, and he becomes a hero. Yeah. That is a moment that is, again, you're talking about a thing where it's like, okay, that's compelling. That's empowering for kids who have weight problems. Not necessarily, it shouldn't be a thing where you're like... It's not encouraging No, that, no, eat all the cake. saying... You're, maybe you're not alone. You, right. you shouldn't feel alone for being for feeling self-conscious about your weight. Mm -hmm. And even if you have a loud voice, maybe even a voice of authority, being really cruel to you about this thing, you don't. That doesn't have to be your identity. Right. Let's move. Let's move on and like let's celebrate what you have and what you're positive about, and we can also work on making you better. Because that's the other thing about this. Fucking Dudley never gets a break. <laughs> like, and I don't just mean like because she doesn't ever let up on him. I mean, Harry doesn't ever let up on him, even in this moment where, like, the, even if Dudley isn't depicted as being, making these decisions to lose weight on his own, like, sure. he's not self-inspired, sure. he's still, there's efforts being made to address this issue she's created in this narrative by, by him. Mm -hmm. So you're telling me Harry is so cruel that he can't even look at that and go, that's awesome. Good for Dudley. I'm glad this is happening for him. I will say eventually... There is a moment of growth for both, but I think it was cut from the film. I can't remember if it was in the film or not. So you might not know. It probably comes later. <laughs> oh, it comes far later. Exactly, and that's what, I, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm at this point where I've grown really tired of the hairy conflict with Dudley. Sure. And especially, well, the Dursleys, but especially Dudley. Sure. It, it, it basically bores me now where I, the, the previous chapter that we went through was a masterpiece of summary exposition. This chapter is half crap. <laughs> and that isn't like in any way charming. Harry is no better than Dudley with like stuffing his face with cake in the, in the scene at the very end of the scene. Right. He's literally doing a, like behavior that fat people, like fat people that people with eating disorders do where they hide food to eat it. Harry's doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm wondering if, if, if there is a, Harry Potter, perhaps canon, not for readers, but to J.K. Rowling, 
rule we've talked about before maybe the wizarding food isn't fattening yeah but she never says that no she never says that but but in that kind of i can eat whatever i want right it's magic I'm magic yeah and i i wonder if that's a just because the amount of cakes and but the, again that seems like such a eaten at hogwarts and you never see incredibly obese children at hogwarts no but you and also in movies you do but right but you also don't get that it's one of the, again, they go into those things where it's like, why wouldn't the wizarding world share that with the muggle world? Why are they such dicks? Like, like people are dying from being overweight because they eat too much. Mm -hmm. Help out. Like, you have the fucking cure right here. Do it. Like, what's the point of separating them? What's the point of the statute of secrecy? Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> people, because everyone would want magical solution to their problems. Yes, like medicine, like wizards, like penicillin, of or vaccines. Of course, they want magical solutions to problems. That's why people are suspicious of them because they don't understand them because they seem to be miracles. <sighs> my fucking brain hurt. Like my fucking chapter four. Back to the burrow. Back <laughs> to the burrow, which I think I've only got one got, note on. I got page forty. Forty-eight. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Because this is this is great that it transitions because it's still about Dudley. Sure. It's about this like her treatment of Dudley as a character. So, I know that he's there's mention in the last chapter about him being like having low marks and how his mother has to come to terms with the fact that she can't just keep making excuses for his uh, academics. Right. Um, and insisting that he's special and maybe he's just a dullard. But is he actually a fucking like? Is he is he just brain dead? Because, because the whole it really bothers me the the way he's described. He never speaks it sure. seems, anymore, um, and he he does this thing that Harry is laughing internally about, where he's like walking around holding his bottom. Yeah, rereading that I don't like. No, it's really I, awful. It's like, awful. It's he's. I mean, it's it's broad view. Right. It's funny in kids media. When the quote unquote bad guy gets hurt on the butt, has to right. do something with his butt, right. protect his butt, hold his butt. That's funny, haha, ha, butt. Right. This kid's processing trauma. Exactly. He's not only processing it, he's he's reliving. He's reliving it. He, yes. He's he's he he is going through a, 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 a an instance where he is being triggered back to probably one of the most traumatic experiences of his life, where he mm -hmm. was physically deformed through magic to the point where like permanently. To the point where he had to go undergo surgery to have a part of him removed. Right. And we know that, like, it's not like they have magic has some sort of mass displacement. Like, and his like, parents couldn't protect him. No, exactly. They couldn't protect him. He, like, his entire it, security I, system that failed. That happened to him, and it had, and, and they just had to stand around and take it. Not only that, but they had already at that point gone through a really long journey of trying to hide. He was already like, my my world's upside down. Exactly. My dad's acting crazy. Exactly. He wasn't behaving that way in that sequence, but his, he, he was still. But he'd already gone through. Right. Fernan's incredible paranoia. Right, right, and it was he was and already was like conditioned to out, it, right? Because they had gone to hotels and shit. But she goes through this like J.K. goes through this like process of of, of, of again like it's almost hateful. It feels hateful, where the way she treats Dudley, where it it comes through like you she she just is completely disregarding mm -hmm. the trauma that she inflicted upon him as a character, mm -hmm. and as if it's so funny, you know, it's like it's like. Imagine if you had a character with like 
a, a cane or a peg leg, and, and then you have the, your protagonist kick it out from under them. And then the audience laughs. <laughs> or imagine a character who, who takes, who is like wheeling a person in a wheelchair out mm -hmm. to the docks and just chucks him in the water and then laughs. Ah, he can't swim. He will drown. <laughs> it's funny because he had undergone physical trauma and he's, he's, he can't help himself anymore and he's, he's crippled. <laughs> I'm better than him. That, that's what this smacks of, is, is this idea that Harry's, Harry's superior to Dudley. And the only way she uses to show that is cruelty. And, and that, that doesn't make him a good character. That doesn't make Harry a, a, a virtuous character. Mm -hmm. But back to the idea of it being a, it's a choice she's making, which kind of makes me wonder if it is a choice. Because the way it's written is it's so hateful that it almost makes me wonder if she wrote these in like fever dreams of, of just spitefulness. Interesting. Like if it just went like stream of consciousness, like fucking hate fat people so much. Or she has a very specific Dudley in her history she Maybe, fucking hates. And that could be it. She could be. But, but it occurs to me this. Like, can you imagine, like, it's still a children's book. Sure. So imagine being in the frame of mind where you're writing a children's book with that much hate. Imagine if you had Dr. Seuss writes a book called, like, fuck you, dumb fatty. <laughs> and it rhymes the whole way through. Or hop on, <laughs> hop on this fat, dumb piece of shit we call pop. One fat, two fat, three fat, all fat. <laughs> Yellow fat, red fat, fuck you fat. <laughs> like it just, it just, it's, it's just, it's so fucking hateful. And it, it just really bothers me that it's all in a kid's book. Cause you know, there's a generation of kids who see this book as a lesson of encouragement to be cruel to each other or to use the guidelines set up by this book sure. to seek out people who are fit, fit the acceptable uh, you know, roles of people they're allowed to pick on because Harry Potter did it, and then they do it. And then the poor kids who get picked on have no idea why this is happening. They just know that there's cruel people out there, and they're being cruel to them for a reason they don't understand. And and they it's just, it's it's a lot. It's a lot of people out there, I'm sure, who had to suffer through something. And again, Harry, fucking, J.K. Rowling didn't invent bullying. Sure. Or fat shaming, but, but she's, she's, she's profiting from it. In the first book... Harry describes Draco as like Dudley and then worse than Dudley, but the association is fat people Nazis. Yes. <laughs> right. They're equivalent. They're equivalent. Uh, she does say Nazis are slightly worse, but, but they are... But And to be fair, like the thing about Dudley being fat, that you, you could argue... I guess the thing is that I look at the fatness and the way she describes it as being very literal. Sure. I don't look at it as being a metaphor for gluttony or selfishness. Don't spoil your kid. Right. It's But it's it loses all the potential, uh, like, redemptive qualities of the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or Matilda. All these opportunities to treat this subject in a way that is not necessarily encouraging of the the poor lifestyle or behavior that leads to obesity. Sure. But but like it's just lumped into those are the bad guys. Exactly. It's just like but not even those are the bad guys. Like she doesn't spend time in this book talking about like really talking much about like Dudley's behavior except that he's stupid and fat. Right. And there are stupid and fat people in the world. Doesn't mean they're evil. I will say he he has a life event in the next book. Yeah. That has a little bit of that that it's that you know contributes to the growth that I mentioned later but the two things are just touched on so lightly. 
they almost deserve their own book. Like, yeah, you, like, yeah. like, like you said, there should be another their point of view. Right. But then all that would eventually do is show how horrible Harry is. Yeah, but because I you're mean, like, these are from his point of view. But that's the that's truth. His... <laughs> like, Harry just is horrible. Constantly. <laughs> like, maybe it would be cool to see the book, like, kind of like Game of Thrones, where you have, like, the, the chapters are from character perspectives. Sure. So you go through the chapters that... that in these books, but you write them from an alternative character perspective mm -hmm. perspective that's neither Ron nor Hermione. Mm -hmm. Or at least not if they're with Harry. Sure. So you have, like, this one would be a Dudley chapter where he's just, like, traumatized. And mm -hmm. he's trying to, like, process it. Uh, but she just, he, I don't know, he, he's just obviously so Looney Tunish, like, so cartoonish to be, like, oh, like, he, he also eats the thing on the floor because he can't help himself because he's a food monster. That was something in the, in the first couple seasons of The Simpsons, um, if you watch the commentaries of those episodes... The writers talk about how they had to, they had this struggle with Homer where they wanted to make food jokes and sort of fat jokes, but they they worked really hard or they they address at certain points that they knew that they had to constrain themselves to not just make him a default food monster. Mm -hmm. Like the joke can't just be Homer is fat right. laugh track. Like it has to be something a little more clever, maybe a little more ludicrous, maybe something more fun than that, um, or or at least have some more heart, like a point. They hit those original writers are long gone, yeah. and it is not that anymore. But especially in the first 10 seasons, you can really feel like Homer's weight is part of his character, mm -hmm. but he isn't just a fat piece of shit, right? So Dudley doesn't get treated better than that, no, he's just a fat piece of shit. And, and Vernon gets a lot more opportunity to be cruel and to have a more character to be afraid, uh, and and that's at least touched on a little, mm -hmm. but. Even a character like Dudley, who's undergone more trauma than anybody else in that, like house, arguably even more than Harry. Maybe not at this point because he keeps doing shit to himself. But, <laughs> but he deserves some sort of recognition and, and some acknowledgement for his like strife. It's not fucking there. Do you have an actual page number at any point after that? After forty? I do. I have Let's go for forty-eight. It. Okay, forty-eight. Just a nice moment that I've always appreciated, uh, Mr. Weasley. Yeah. Standing up for Harry. Yeah, just, I just, like that too. Just whatever the situation, he's just coming in and goes, he said goodbye to you. Right. I mean, like, I, I was thinking about that from like from my point of view. I'm like, that would that would take some nerve on my part. It would. Like, I have no idea. I've been trying to be nice. I'm not getting, but whatever. These guys, they're muggles. They don't understand. Just picking up the kid. Oh, shit. This is that, this is, this is that family dynamic my kid's been talking about. Wow. I'm in their house. I'm still going to say, hey, fucking be, be a person. I think that happens, but not initially. I think the initial... It sounds like what you're saying is you're ascribing to him some like this this heroic audacity. No, Which, no not okay. a heroic... No, I wasn't seeing it as heroic audacity. I was seeing it as a... I was reading him the way I would have felt in that situation. Like, I'm going to say something... And I, as Mr. Weasley, would be terrified to do this, but I'm still going to do it. And I, but I still don't think it was that. Okay. I, at least not initially. I think it became that. Okay. The way it's written first, the way I read it, is the, the line where he says, Harry said goodbye to you. Did you not hear him? Was more of like an earnest, did you guys not hear him? Oh. Like, like, he said goodbye. 
as if like he's helping because his whole his whole character in this in this chapter is about helping. Right. He he wants to help Dudley. He wants to help like he's going to fix the fireplace. He's mm -hmm. he's helping. He wants to help them hear Harry say goodbye sure. so they can say goodbye back. And then after that doesn't happen or it's or, or Harry's like no, we should just go, like just leave it. Then I think he has that transition to what has happened here because I don't think Ron's really I I never got the impression that Ron had told him. Well, I, I was thinking of like Ron telling Mrs. Weasley they're starving and mom, and then right, he would have heard. Right. But no, you're 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 right. That's, yeah, that's, a, that's. I think it's more like he's like. Then he starts to realize what's happening. Like if you walk into a situation where you see, uh, I've never done this, but if you walk into a situation where you realize that uh, a kid you know's parent is actually an alcoholic, mm -hmm. and and then you realize, oh shit, this is a delicate situation that I need to be aware of, mm -hmm. and I need to figure out how to help this situation as best I can, and you have to think rapidly, and then you do it. I th that's how I interpreted him in that situation. But I, I do think eventually he would have that sort of like, at the moment he, he gets past that sort of earnest helpfulness, he does get into what you're describing, this sort of like scared, not really scared, but like intimidated, but the compelled. That like, uh, yeah, I've got to do something He has here. to do it. He doesn't have a choice, but it's, right. it, it's not fun for him. It's just the right thing to do. Right. And it's a, it's a nice Mr. Weasley moment. It really is. He And he's full of that kind of moment. That's exactly how I think of him as a character is constantly he seems to be doing that constantly seems to be the guy who's like he's driven by doing the right thing and it's so wholesome but not cheesy right and I like that a lot I feel like she does a really good job of that with this character um, I think we did have a comment on our uh, Podbean about the sort of references this chapter uh, about how Vernon refers to Mrs. Weasley as dumpy. We were discussing, we, we the, the comment was about a couple episodes ago about the idea of there's no good fat people in Harry Potter. All right, right. And the idea that Mr. Weasley, or, or, or that Mr. Or Vernon, <laughs> Mr. Dursley, references his memory of Mrs. Weasley as being dumpy. Right. And Harry has this moment of saying that he, thinks it's, he thinks it's rich. That, yeah. yeah. Rich, also a term for fatty food. Right. But this, Sorry. but this happens sure. in this moment, and I, I, I took note of it because it, uh, because Harry's basically like, no, she isn't, and I don't remember, I don't know if in the books that she gets described before this as dumpy, or in any way like you know, she's definitely earned her birthing hips kind of thing, because <laughs> she's got so many kids. Right, 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 right. Um, <laughs> wow, <laughs> that'd be such a fucked up thing to say to a person. <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, I, I I really like that moment with with uh, Arthur Arthur yeah with Arthur I think that was that was fun and, and then it, it pays off even more in the chaotic again cartoonish scene where Dudley's tongue turns purple and is big and I I, I thought that was I kept reading this this, this is going to sound maybe weird sure. but I, I started at a certain point when I realized that she was describing Dudley as being so cartoonish and outlandishly unrealistic that I started imagining making Harry Potter into an animated film. And I started thinking, because I'm so like conditioned to think of it as a live action thing, but it sort of occurred to me that you could do this in a sort of, uh, like in an Adams Family kind of style. Sure. Where it's like really black and white and really flat, but, um, and everybody moves like quickly. All the characters move, the, the kinetic nature of the characters' motions are, are, are fast. And it helped me understand the way it was written because it was all just so chaotic and so unrealistic that it helped to make it into a cartoon. Okay. And that scene specifically where Vernon is throwing the china at Arthur and 
and uh, Petunia is standing, like, is sitting on Dudley, yanking his tongue out of his mouth that, to the point where Dudley can't actually breathe and he's, and he's asphyxiating. Just felt like so much like an unrealistic cartoon mm -hmm. that I laughed. Like, I got <laughs> the funny of it. Sure. But if you try to make that into a live-action film, it comes off cruel. Like The Simpsons, where if Homer's choking his son constantly... <laughs> That stops being funny in a real world scenario. Yeah, that becomes After like a, a minute or two. Oh yeah, that becomes called the fucking police. No longer funny. Not never funny. No, <laughs> it's just right, not right, funny. Right. <laughs> it's just not funny. Choking a, a regular adult, like a full size human, not really funny. No, not a little less. Not not super funny. Can be really hot, but not <laughs> funny. God damn it. <laughs> it's staying in. <laughs> I, I said it. I know you did. But yeah, it, it's just—it's the same thing I mentioned earlier. A little, bit, a little bit different, but like her tonal inconsistencies are strange. I just don't—I don't. I don't know. I—I want to read more like the first chapter. Like there's three chapters after the first chapter. The first chapter was awesome and mm -hmm. fun and scary, and I was like, yeah, let's read that. Let's read the story where Harry Potter is on a mystery that's tense. I hope that's coming. <laughs> like, but um, I will—I will say, almost saving the first chapter, none of these have been in the movie. How does the movie... Oh, it doesn't matter. We'll get there Mo eventually. Movie jumps to Harry being already with the Weasleys. Let's just say that. Okay, We okay. have the old man yeah, dying... Yeah, it just starts with the, the ...to Quidditch. Harry uh, being with the Weasleys. So, while it does kind of fit your formula, you also haven't ever experienced this story before. None of these parts, no. It, it, oh, uh, it, it also made me wonder, and I don't know if it's... Yeah, it doesn't have been addressed yet, but at the end of this chapter, I, I meant to make a note of this, and I didn't. I'm glad I remembered it. We don't get an explanation of how Hedwig, at least so far, Hedwig's left at the Dursleys. The twins don't bring Hedwig no, down. No, Hedwig has already been sent to Sirius. Oh, that's correct. Right. What about the cage? He, I think he said, I'll be at Ron's. But what about the cage? I'm sure the twins grabbed it with the, with the trunk. But they didn't say they did. You know what? Are you sure? Let's look. Pretty sure. Well, let's look. Fred and George came back into the room carrying Harry's school trunk. The end. You were correct. You're goddamn right I am. I'm assuming that her cage was not needed because when she finds Harry at school, she'll go right to the Owlery. So, what about how she comes back from Hogwarts? I'm sure he's like, hey, see you at home. Why do, why do owls ever need cages then? Why do owls, owls need cages? <laughs> because when you are in the first couple years at Hogwarts, you're not yet comfortable to your owl going about her business and so you want her with you in the train on the off chance you want to send a message home from the train sure from dna yeah, why not got another note in this chapter no that's okay. it i'm done with that note my sort of overview of this episode then sure is that I'm really grateful that this episode was four chapters. I'm glad we did four chapters. Sure. So that we get all of the Dursley hate out of the way in one episode. It's true. Pretty much gone. It's hopefully not coming back in the next chapter. Um, fuck that shit. <laughs> like, it's it's just so tiresome to deal with. Um, I But I also, I like that part. I like the part of Dudley with the purple tongue. Like, I, I, I you know, just... Really? I mean, again, it's funny. It's, it's I, I didn't like the whole, like, he's a food vacuum, but I did like the the whole, like, he's... I like the cartoon I imagined. Sure, the cartoon. But 
that is in direct opposition with the traumatic piglet tail. It again, yeah, it jumps. It jumps. His his total well, so shift. Are you going to keep that in your mind, or are you going to consider Dudley two the human things. who's now had been traumatized twice because having your mom trying to rip your foot long tongue out of your head would, if were it were it's not a cartoon would be even more horrific. If you think that Dudley has only been traumatized twice by book four, you are wrong. There's an interesting parallel I'd like to draw to this conversation when we get to book six. Okay. I don't know what that means, but better bookmark it. I think you know what it means, <laughs> dear listener. Dear listener. <laughs> Doug's such a fool. Oh, no, not oh, just... Okay. That was, no, no, you're a fool for other reasons. That's true. Smart enough to know that. Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh, I don't have anything else. I, don't think. I think I have nothing else either. Wow. It's a lot of a lot of podcasting. This a lot week. of podcast. I found it interesting. That's right. Because I, I, I had an interesting note. Go for it. So my interesting note was, um. We're at the fourth book out of seven. Yeah. Do you think that would mean that we are hitting or going to re- soon hit the halfway point? Is this? A philosophical question about what the number four is between no. One this is this is more of like a uh, tensing, going towards that peak, exact halfway point kind of. You know what? Forget that sentence. It's like trying to find the North Pole, kind of. Forget that too. Um, but the exact middle point of the series will be in the middle of this book. No, it's not till the next book. Why? Because she wrote so that last three books are so big. Oh, you're talking okay. So you're you're saying again, like, are you talking about like page counter book numbers? Which what are you using as the metric? Because it sounds like you're using page number because they're different. I think, I think it's word count. No, I meant page page well, count or book number. This person online. This seems like a really weird question. <laughs> das Possum. Okay. On Reddit, has Kindle as a she had. I say she had. I have no idea. They have the entire package of the books in one Kindle file. Okay. And the 50% Probably points, stolen. Well, it's Kindle. So stolen. I think, anyway. <laughs> the 50% mark is uh, Detention with Dolores in Order of the Phoenix. Because that's through page number. Or word count. Either or. Yeah, but neither of those are how I would count being half the halfway point. Which I think was what your question was. So for me, the halfway point would be either in the middle of this book or it's the middle of this book or after the book when we would have passed it. Yeah, no, that's what I was saying. It's, and I think that's my book five. So this whole chaff is cut out. <laughs> no, I think uh, Deuce Bigot 47 is stupid. Da- das Possum? Oh, that's it. Das Possum. Deuce Bigot? <laughs> um, I will say that story-wise, this seems like a good halfway point for the character of Harry because he's gone up, well, up, not up. Not right now. Maybe at well, the end no, of- he's now on top of the world looking down on creation he thinks he's all that he's 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 he got he's, he's got uncle vernon under his thumb he's not particularly worried about nobody's come back from the dead yet no one's an actual physical threat he's got all of his support system where he wants them harry is the most powerful in his mind he's not yet been torn back down i feel like we are letting chapters three and four cloud over chapter two because in chapter two, Harry is dealing with all of his internal monologue about how scary Voldemort is and how what he should do about his scar hurting. And then we get two chapters of fuck the Dursleys and we forget about it. Yeah, but he wasn't even that scared about the scar at the end of the chapter two. He that's what I mean. Like, so that's, that's what I'm saying. He's I, feeling in a very powerful place. 
I guess, but I don't know if that's... He's not correct. Yeah, but I think he's going to be in this place again, isn't he? Like, he's going to be in a similar position where he feels great and everything's fine. No. Like, yeah, he is. He's going to feel that way right before he touches that port key for the first time. No, he's going to feel pretty beat up at that point. The first time? Yeah. Well, what... Okay, at the start of the actual, like, maze Goblet of Fire. Uh, first of all, I don't shock him. Second of all, now you're wrong. <laughs> I think he feels pretty great right before he goes into the... Okay, the, this whole book, though, then, is, is, isn't what I'm saying. No! <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, uh... <laughs> Mea culpa. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't read this book. I, I feel like at the end of this book, he's in a real dark place. And then it gets worse. Yeah. And then it gets worse. So, I mean, hopefully this is the end. This book sounds like it might be the end of Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Harry Potter having an easy time. This is the end of Happy Potter. Happy Potter, right. Right. Yeah, good. Yeah. Like, fucking, the king is dead. Long live the king. Okay. So you were saying about New Zealand. Yeah, thanks, New Zealand. Thanks. Did you want to say? You, you brought it to my attention. I didn't actually look it up. Oh, just we got a lot of downloads in New Zealand. It was like, hey, what's up, New Zealand? What's up, New Zealand? <laughs> we, we got a bunch of downloads, I think, from New Zealand. That's, I think, our newest download update, which was pretty cool. Not, uh, I mean, we love Australia. We love everyone. We love anywhere you're listening. You're our favorite listener. But New Zealand. You're our new favorites. Pretty cool. And you're our Zealand favorites. Yeah. Our New Zealand favorites. See? You think of the Muppet Lou Zealand? He's not related. No, I'm thinking of uh, he our... He was built to look like Frank Oz, though. Did you know that? Nope. I was thinking of our whole Marty McFly thing and how New Zealand's really important to that uh, connection yeah. our, uh, to Harry because Potter. Because of the Frighteners? Yeah, because we went through the Frighteners to Lord of the Rings to... Oh, right, um, right, right. And I just, you know, New Zealand's important to us. It's true. And if you... Are in New Zealand listening? Check out our last episode where we talk about, for briefly, people who are famous actors from your place ish. <laughs> Not to discount Australia and Yahoo Serious Black. Or that one listener in Spain or Austria. I was, I was making a movie connection. God damn it. Yahoo Serious yeah. Black. Yahoo Serious Black. Mm, I don't know what Yahoo Serious is. Young Einstein. What? I'm Young Einstein? Yeah. Was that? The movie that convinced me for years that Einstein was actually from Australia. Oh. He isn't. No, he's not. No. People often would correct me. Like, are you trying to say Austria? Because I'm not even sure that's correct. I'm like, no, Australia. Don't be an idiot. That sounds like you. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was... Because uh, why would they lie about that? Why right. would they just take a famous person and say they were born in a completely different country? So, uh, thanks, Australia, for that. Okay, you've made your point. I'm sorry for this tangent. <laughs> <laughs> so embarrassing. Yeah, he didn't even date Marie Curie. Oh, yeah. That's a movie lied to me so many times. But did he carbon date her? <laughs> nice isotopes. I'd covalent bond with her. <laughs> off the rails now <laughs> we need to end this. yeah i can we can just end this um 
This I don't know. Managed. I have no idea which part of this gets cut or where this goes, but uh, I guess that was Death Readers. I'm trying to just think if there's anything else. I really don't think so. Probably just best to end it. That was Death Readers. Uh, I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Come here, the pod. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Podbean. These reviews might seem silly, but they actually help us out a lot. Check us out on Twitter, at RealDeathReader. If you want more Death Readers content, there's more available by joining Death Readers Patreon at www.patreon.com slash deathreaders. If you hate us and want to tell us how terrible we are, please send all hate mail comments to our Reddit account, you slash deathreaders. Do you think? you think I should... I should cut out the silence. Okay, I'll do that. So testy. <laughs> um, Oops. <laughs> cut that out too. Oh, you think you think she cut that? <laughs> I don't sound like that. You should probably cut all this silence out. Oh, you, you think? <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be the bit that we do for ourselves. That I'll cut all this silence out. You should probably cut all this silence out. Thank you. This silence, too. You might be confused and think it's all part of the same silence. Hey, sorry, I think you were telling me. We're just going to keep going. Sure, sure. We can keep going. We're fine. They only ring once. Oh, is it It's the post office, yeah. Oh, I thought it was a train. No, that, what? No, it's a post office. As long as the dogs didn't freak out, so we should be good. Dude, the postman always rings twice. Thank you.